Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the KLS Pod. My name is Gary Kayan, and I'm today's host for what is somewhat of a milestone. We are approaching our one-year anniversary of the launch of the KLS Pod. Where does the time go? It's It's been an interesting and obviously difficult year in lots of different ways. Over the last year, we've focused a lot on topics on this KLS Pod from the serious to the lighter in nature to attempt to help you all thrive in our current environment and provide students with some professional development assistance. And today we're going to focus on what I think is a pretty, pretty fun topic. Uh, the other day, one of our staff members mentioned to me that some of their students weren't as well versed in the five RWC values as maybe they used to be. And I think that's because we haven't really been able to gather for large in-person trainings where we tend to emphasize those values. So I wanted to start today's episode by reviewing the values, especially in the context of COVID, and then focus today's episode on one of those values, my favorite. But before we get started, let's have a word from one of our sponsors, the UCF Office of Institutional Knowledge Management, the Assessment Office. I know they're not paying us for this ad, but To help complete our university assessment that we do every year, we need everyone listening to this to go to this website on your phone, on your computer, however you find websites. Go to bitbit.ly forward slash and then in all caps UCFKLS and it'll take you to a Qualtrics form. Fill out a quick assessment after listening to this episode. It not only helps us, but it'll help you because guess what? Today, we are giving away, or whenever you're listening to this, a $20, $20 Amazon gift card to one lucky KLS pod listener. All you have to do is, again, go to bit.ly forward slash UCFKLS and complete the evaluation and include your name. And once we have 20 completed surveys, I will then draw one name randomly and send you the gift card by email. Then you can buy whatever you like. You can buy a new mask. You can buy a hat. I recently bought on Amazon Prime an egg cooker, which I didn't know I needed, but now I can hard boil and soft boil and cook eggs in lots of different ways. It was less than $20, so you can get one of those. You can get some candy, which I also recently bought on Amazon, lemon heads, great candy, whatever you like. So please fill out that assessment. It really helps us help improve our KLS sessions, these podcasts, uh, but it also helps us demonstrate a benefit that they have to you. All right, so let's talk about the RWC values and place them into some context. I know our values as clean, safe, quality, dependable, and fun. Some people put them in different orders. That's just how I learned them when we implemented them so many years ago. Clean is the first one for me. I don't know about you all. I, especially in the last year, you know, cleanliness has become such a a critical value. It's always been for me. I've, I've been a bit of a germ phobe for a long time. I now wash my hands every day like I'm scrubbing in for surgery. Uh, I think our our custodial team led by Jose under Sarah's direction has really, you know, taken cleanliness to the next level uh, out of necessity. We've kept the RWC immaculate. Our student staffs provide that, that comfort and that safety to our users by giving everything extra bit of care and, and cleaning and wiping down. I know it's something we've always prided ourselves on because I mean, a gym can be a gross place, and so we know that even in in pre-COVID times, different communicable diseases, whether it's MRSA or staph or other types of 
skin infections can can proliferate in a, a fitness or gym environment. And so the RWC has always had this at our foremost value. And so I, I don't want to say it's been easy because it's certainly been a heavy lift by a lot of people. It's no surprise that we've been able to, I'm knocking on wood right now, but keep our facility clean and keep our users safe because it's been something that's really ingrained in everything we do. Speaking of safe, our next value, safe, goes hand in hand with cleanliness, but it also dictates decisions on what we can offer, what kind of programs we can offer. Obviously with university approval and all the different levels of risk management protocols in place. When I think about risk management and I think about safety, uh, we obviously have our risk management committee. We have a we have staff members who have risk management in their title. And I was talking to a friend the other day about some COVID safety protocols. And I can always tell who works in risk management. And you all listening to this, if you work at the RWC, you work in risk management. And you'll forever be able to have on your resume and talk about in interviews how risk management is something that you've applied in practice. But a lot of times, public knowledge and just people in general, they don't they don't understand safety as more than just an either-or thing. Like when you're driving, you don't wear your seatbelt or don't wear your seatbelt. The car was built with airbags. The people who are driving are obeying traffic signals, and you've got a driver's license to allow you to drive that car and operate that car safely. And so it's not just I do this one thing and, and that's make or break. And so we were talking about it from the standpoint of people who don't like to wear a facial covering and it, it's not an either or because um, we know at the RWC there's a layering of preventative measures that that keep people safe. Like, uh, you know, when someone's climbing at the tower or on the challenge course, it's not just, you know, wear a helmet and you climb in case something happens. We have people get belay certified. Our staff are trained and certified. We inspect the, the holds in the tower on a, on a regular basis. We have people watching you and helping you with techniques so you don't fall in the first place. And so we know that safety is not just you know do this one thing or do that other thing, but that's how debates are framed. And that whole conversation reminded me of something at the rec center. It reminded me of intramural dodgeball, which speaking of anniversaries, this is the 20th anniversary, 2021, the 20th anniversary of when I was a grad student and I begged Jim Wilkening, who ran intramural sports at the time, to add dodgeball to our schedule, to which he famously replied, and I'll never forget, quote, Gary, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. But I kept pushing him, and I said, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to, to, to make this seem like not a dumb idea. And Jim put it on the schedule the next year, and I said, Jim, well, you put dodgeball on the schedule. And he said, yeah, you're in charge, and don't let anyone get hurt. So we put it on the schedule. We had 20 teams uh, over at the College of Education gym um, in that first year, and, and I believe we were the first intramural program in the country to have it as a full league sport. And this was before the Ben Stiller movie and, and before uh, it got more popular. To a couple years later, we had well over 100 teams. I think at its peak, we had something like 160 dodgeball teams. And, and we put together these codified rules based on what I remembered from playing as a kid in summer camp. And, and my goal was to make it safe. So we wanted to outline everything we possibly could to make this sport, which people have an impression that it's throwing things at other people that can't be safe, to it something not being a question. And our director at the time, Willie Ailing, came to me as we had some issues with uh, our facility and dodgeballs flying all over the place and, and maybe spectators getting hit. That's why we put netting up from court one to court four to prevent 
someone from standing outside the group exercise room from getting hit in the head with a dodgeball. And he said, you know, gee, uh, he always called me G. G. I'm not, I'm a little concerned about this sport. And I went to the data and I said, look, Willie, we, we had all these people participate in all these sports. You know what the safest sport that we have, the least amount of injuries? Well, volleyball, because people rarely get hurt playing volleyball. But number two of, of the safest sport was dodgeball. And all the way at the top was soccer and flag football and basketball. And those sports had all the injuries. And I, I showed him dodgeball was pretty safe. And I really wanted to make it safe because I remember uh, I remembered playing as a kid in summer camp or in elementary school, the sport getting banned. I think it was in summer camp because a counselor chucked one of those big red kickball playground balls, if you remember those, if those were still a thing when uh, those listening to this were kids. Um, but someone chucked it at a kid, and I think hurt the kid pretty bad. I, I was devastated um, that dodgeball got banned, not only for the kid getting hurt, I think he was okay, but also to lose, do, lose dodgeball. So, so anyway, we wrote these rules, and I, I thought I had made it so safe because we had the rule in place where when you started the game, the balls were at center court, and you had to run to the middle and grab a ball and then run back to your side, and, and that was this like exciting thing at the beginning of the game. It's just how you played it as a kid, and it always worked when I was a kid because kids are slow and uncoordinated and clumsy, and you know they just kind of, oh, I'll get it, and if a kid hits another kid, when I'm talking about kids like eight-year-olds, they just bounce off each other and they get back up and they're fine. But when 20-year-olds do it, it's pretty dangerous to have uh, young adults, you know, men and women charging at each other. You know, they're, they're athletic, but they also are aggressive. So after we saw that that was dangerous, we, we changed the rule right away. And I think the next day, these guys from, I think it was Sigma Chi, uh, came into my office and they were so upset. They were like, Gary, it's not as fun to play that way. It's not as fun. And, and we'll get to fun in a few minutes as a RWC value. And I was like, guys, if I get a call from our vice president or the president's office saying, hey, there's a parent in my office and she's complaining that little Johnny played intramural dodgeball and he says it's not as fun as it used to be. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I'm not in trouble. Yeah, it's not as fun, but you know, they'll get over it. But if I get a call from that very same vice president saying the parents in her office complaining that her kid got a concussion or a broken nose or a skull fracture from playing dodgeball because it's not safe. Like, that's it. That's the end of dodgeball. You know, they weren't happy. They understood. But, you know, we did our job and we kept people safe. And so sometimes to make things safe, we have to sacrifice some of the fun. And we all know that from all aspects of our lives. So we'll, again, talk about fun a little bit later because that'll be the theme of today's podcast. But let's move on to the next RWC value, a quality. And quality has honestly been a little bit harder to maintain, but I'm pretty proud uh, that we have maintained it because we've established this standard here at the RWC of how a quality recreational sports facility is managed, how quality recreational programs are operated, uh, and all the different services that we have at the RWC and WIPs. These are, these are high quality. These are things that if you went into the community or the for-profit sector or the city municipal pools, you're going to get a higher quality service at the RWC because we are rec professionals and professional means we're going to manage our aspects of what we offer professionally. And so we're not going to do something if we can't do it right. I want to laud and I want to praise our, our staff and our students who are listening to this. Pat yourself on the, on the shoulder right now. Even though we're operating in a different environment, uh, we still want to exceed those expectations. And so taking the care to make sure 
that we recognize students, that we uh, are still being friendly, that we're still being professional. I think those all go into quality by which we make decisions, the quality by the service we're giving. And that's why I think we're going to be well set up for when we're able to resume full operations at the RWC at some point when it's safe. And, and that expectation of quality is going to persist. You can't talk about standards without talking about our next value is, is dependability. And, and I've had to rewire my brain a little bit, but in a good way when it comes to being reliable and being dependable. And you know, we always wanted to make sure we prepare students for what things are like when they are no longer at the RWC. We had a, a student who was a, a lead in fitness. He worked for me a couple years ago, and he worked for uh, another staff member here at the RWC at a certain point. And this student lead, this is probably six or seven years ago, he, he ran afoul of things. He got written up a few times. He was late. He just had to learn uh, the hard way um, how to be dependable and how to be responsible. And he wound up doing real well. Uh, he finished strong. He graduated. He got his master's degree. He went off uh, to work in a job in, in healthcare. And I remember talking to him about a year or two after he graduated and him telling me the story about when he got to his job, he was wearing a suit and he got there an hour early. And this is a professional job. And he said his supervisor, after a couple of days, pulled him aside and was like, hey, you don't have to you know, dress that that formal and you also don't have to get here that early and he was like I, I get it like I understand but I'm just I it was it was something that was drilled into my head you have to be dependable when we say you know the RWC opens at 6 a.m. it's not 601 it's not 602 it's not 603 it's 6 a.m. and people need to expect that when we say we're going to do something when we say we're going to be there when we say something's going to take place that it's going to be offered and I think that's, again, something we've also maintained. You know, we are having a hard time because this is where I talk about rewiring my brain. When I see performance documentations come in that someone didn't show up in the morning and we were down a, a staff member in an area, well, that's because we're not only encouraging but requiring staff to stay home if they're not feeling well. And we've had to cancel some things and delay some things uh, because it may not be safe to not have the level of staff we have. So I think our core de value of dependability has persisted, but for student users who can't get a reservation or they can't get to the RWC as often or that class they loved or they loved playing in that, that flag football league or they loved going on you know, distance trips or they just look forward to our open night climbs, there may be a sense that even though we're doing everything we can to maintain our internal dependability, there may be a reputational effect that we will again have to deal with uh, once we are able to open and, and um, operate more fully, whether it's the summer or the fall, I don't think anyone really knows as as of today when I'm recording this, when that's going to be. But I think we're really going to have to work hard reestablishing that dependability in terms of that reputation. And so that that's something to to consider. All right. So that brings me to my favorite value, fun. And I've alluded to fun a, a couple times. I mean, why is fun a value at the RWC? We're a, we're a recreation and wellness center. You know, fun is a component. And some people may argue, like, we should only be working on serious things. This is a, this is a university. It's a serious place. And it takes a lot of serious work to do what uh, we do here well. But it's also really freaking fun to work here, to, to play here, to recreate. You know, we had this slogan when I was a student, uh, Mr. K, our director at that time, 
giving a history of the RWC's directors over the years, also on this podcast, Mr. K would always say, take some time each day to play. Um, and Jim has kept that going forward. He ends every full-time professional staff meeting that we have every week by saying, go play. And, and I remember as a kid vividly loving recess, hence my, my dodgeball story uh, earlier. And one of the most shell-shocking moments of my childhood, early childhood that I remember, was after six years of recess, every day after lunch in elementary school. You'd, you'd eat lunch in the cafeteria, you'd go outside, you'd play on the playground. After like kindergarten through fifth grade, every year I, I went to middle school, and on the very first day I learned after lunch we, we went back to class. And that was devastating. I was so mad. I probably cried, I don't know, but I was upset. And so the RWC is all the great things we do for student development and leadership and skill building. And at the same time, it's kind of recess, right? Whether it's, you know, playing dodgeball or playing kickball or playing soccer or working out, going to a a fitness class, doing yoga, going on a a trip, a hike, um, swimming in the pool, all the things we do here. uh, I can't name them all. Those like those are basically summer camp, right? Those are things that are fun. And we put a lot of intentionality in what we do, and we make sure that there's a lot of learning going on, and you're learning skills, but it's fun. And so for today's podcast, I wanted to have some fun. And maybe you can listen to this and, and learn a few things, but also hear some fun stories. And there are hundreds of peer-reviewed studies about the science of laughter, and how it can improve your mood, and bolster your immune system, and soothe tension uh, when, when people are giving a speech or giving an interview, if you can make a joke and make an appropriate joke and make people laugh, it, it kind of eases things and on and on. And I think the hard part of comedy and humor and fun is it's super subjective. So you likely might not find everything I have to say so funny. Um, I'm sure that's more likely uh, than not the case. And so I, I decided to reach out to some staff and I asked a simple question. What's the funniest thing that happened to you or that you observed while you were at the RWC. Back in 2014, I was a cycle instructor. And one of my best friends currently named Chris was the building manager. And I would teach about two to three cycle classes a week. And one of the things about cycle is you are projecting your voice a lot. And to help with that, you have a microphone. But the technology was always kind of hit or miss. Like usually the speaker system was reliable, the microphone was reliable, but there would be some days where we just couldn't get things to work. So this one particular day, I had an issue with the microphone and the speaker system would work and the music would get really loud but the microphone itself just wouldn't turn on. So I called the building manager and I asked for help and it ended up being Chris, my goofy best friend. And he came over and looked at the system and tried to make it work because ironically, he was a spin instructor too, but he couldn't seem to figure it out. And he said, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna go look around the building and try and figure this out. And I said, okay, I'll just teach without the microphone. So the class started, the lights are off, the music is booming, and I'm yelling all of the cues up, two, three, four, down, two, three, four. 
And Chris walks in and he approaches me, taps my shoulder and hands me a megaphone from intramurals. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And so it was so large and you have to hold the button in order to have your voice be heard and projected. And so I kind of set it up on the spin bike, pressed down on the button and was coaching the entire class with a megaphone and it worked. So that's the power of a creative employee at play. I used to work in the office across from the locker rooms right outside of WIPS, or as Jim likes to call it, the fishbowl. People would come in there for the most random things, maybe because that office has served a million purposes over the years. But my favorite ever was when a student came in and started taking his shirt off as he was telling me about his back pain. And I was like, whoa, 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 AT is right around the corner. Or the time someone came in and asked me for the banana I was eating, and I had to actually consider if this was a first aid situation. Good times. Let's see, our value of fun. Value of fun. Ah, yes, several stories come to mind. Some I can't share. However, this one is a great one. I remember when I first got hired here, one of the things I wanted to do was bring some of the culture that I'm used to to the RWC. So I ended up working with um, a few of our students and our diversity committee to put together a step show at the pool because at the time I oversaw facilities and aquatics and we were going to do this at the leisure pool. So it was for Black History Month. I was so excited. I couldn't wait for everyone to really experience this. So we had built, we had a building manager who was also in a fraternity, um, uh, one of the NPHC fraternities. That's who we had come out. So they got out there and it was just an absolutely amazing event. We just had this crowd of students. It was wonderful. Everyone strolling, getting out there. And then all of a sudden, here come the cues. And if you don't know about the cues, Omega Sci-Fi, please look them up. Look up videos, absolutely phenomenal performances these, these guys put on. Our cues get out there. And they're stepping, and it's absolutely phenomenal. The energy's high, everything's great. And then all of a sudden, they throw out these things, and they're all over the place. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I pick it up, and it's condoms. So they threw out a bunch of condoms. Not really all that funny, right? Well, here's the part where I thought I was going to definitely get fired. Mind you, I had only been here a few months the director's out there, so Jim is out there, and Jim's boss, Dr. Eckern, is out there. They threw condoms out right in front of my executive director and his boss. Definitely thought I was going to get fired after that. Once I realized everyone was having fun, she was smiling, the students were smiling, it ended up being just an absolutely phenomenal event. So I can't wait to do that again for us. In 2002, we were short some prizes for breakfast. So I went to Walmart and bought four goldfish. We had all the prizes set out on the table to give out at the end of the night. And there were only three goldfish left on the table. The jar was there, 
but the fish was gone and no one knows what happened to the fish. While leaving work one day during break time, the building was quiet. There was no one working out, so I'm leaving to go home. I get out of the elevator downstairs to go to my car, and as I look to my right, I see a bird coming toward me, and all of a sudden the wings were very long, and it happened to be a bat, and it was coming down toward me, and I tried to bend down from it, and my sunglasses were on my head. They hit the back of my head because so I thought the bat was on me, and I'm hitting my head with my purse. I ran into the ladies' room, and when I came back out to look for it, it made a U-turn and came right back toward me, and I just ran in the room for my life. Beware of bats at the RWC. So I was working a supervisor shift at Knights Plaza, and I was doing the opening shift, and that was uh, that shift was the day that the Dunkin' Donuts next door had opened for the first time, like the grand opening. And the manager was going by all the stores and just giving people free donuts. And I think they gave us, you know, like two or three dozen donuts. And so I just left them out on the table for people to take if they wanted one. And I probably had one or two myself. But uh, maybe about 45 minutes after that, Troy, who was the assistant director of fitness at the time, uh, came to Knights Plaza to work his shift. I think that at the time, people were working shifts in that office every day. And so I remember when he walked in, he had the most confused and puzzled look on his face. And he asked me, Nick, whose donuts are these? And I remember explaining to him how we got the donuts and that it was the grand opening. And they were free and I just left them there for other people to take in which he looked at me and essentially in the nicest way possible said, like, what kind of message are we sending here? Like, do we want people to have donuts before they work out? Do we want them to have them after they work out? You should have just told him no <laughs> or told him, uh, or taken them and put them in the back office or something like that. And, uh, I remember to make his point, he, he all right, because I think I like health, you know, healthy way pushed back a little bit, and he stood outside the desk for like five minutes, and like every time somebody leaved or every time somebody walked in, he was just like, "Hey, do you want a donut?" And everybody, of course, said no, but uh, it was one of the first times I think I, I actually like seen like Troy like be funny in a really funny way. <laughs> And uh, I think I ended up having more donuts than I wanted that day because uh, he took them back to the back office. Mm. Um, but my funny story for the RWC was a few years ago, I was in the middle of a supervising shift, you know, just wandering around the cardio floor, making sure everything was good. All of a sudden, I get a call on the radio. 803 to 803, very concerned. And I was like, oh, fudge, what's about to happen? And so I, of course, respond. And Aaliyah, previous program's lead, had said, can you please meet me on the weight floor? I was like, oh, crud. All right, here we go. So I go down and I see that on the first racquetball court, one of the panels of glass had been shattered because a weight had nicked it just right. And so I literally just remember looking at Aaliyah and going, who the heck do I even call for this? 
And so I'm just like, 803 to custodial, 803 to maintenance. And before I knew it, pro staff was there and it was a huge thing. And and ended up on Snap Story for UCF. And I was there with my reaction, literally just standing there baffled for days. It was a good time. Always a good time at the RWC. <laughs> So my first trip leader training trip, which is something that we always do in January and in May, was that January of 2019. Um, so I didn't know the trip leaders very well, but I was really excited. I just wanted to make a good impression and let them know that I knew what I was doing and that you know we were all going to do great things and we were going to learn a lot together. And so we planned this pretty extravagant trip leader training where we were going to go down to the 10,000 Islands area of the Everglades and go sea kayaking for several days. Everybody was just kind of on edge, but excited and ready to go. And so we do our PFD or our life jacket talk. And anytime I put on a life jacket, my first thought is, I need to chest bump somebody. Because, you know, you have big padding on and it just feels right to jump up. And we do a really good chest bump with somebody to get yourself pumped and ready to go. And so, like, this is perfect. This is, like, I'm going to make everybody laugh. Um, this is going to be really fun. I'm going to start building my rapport with all these trip leaders. And we're all going to have a really good time. And this is just this is going to be such a good idea. And so I'm looking around trying to find who I want to be my partner for this epic chest bump. And I find Michelle Gallant. But I was like, she's about my height. You know, surely, like, when we chest bump, it's going to be perfect. Um, <laughs> it's going to be just a, a marvelous chest bump. It'll be perfect. And so I'm like, hey, Michelle, don't you, like, don't you feel like you want a chest bump? Like, like right now, let's do it. She was like, absolutely. Little did I know how competitive Michelle was um, and is and how much stronger Michelle is than me. And so we're like, all right, ready? Everybody watch. We're going to chest bump. It's going to be sweet. And so we go, three, two, one, and we jump up, and Michelle is going way harder than I was or that I was anticipating for her to go. And so when we hit, she absolutely lays me out. I am flat on the ground on my back halfway in the water, halfway on, <laughs> halfway on the dock, just kind of like spread out um, and completely embarrassed because one of my students has just absolutely taken me out. All of the trip leaders were looking at us. None of them really knew what to do because they didn't know me. They didn't really know how I would react. Um, <laughs> so the only thing I could do to kind of make it, me feel less awkward and make Michelle not feel awful um, was just to laugh. And so I started laughing. Everybody around me started laughing. And it honestly set the tone for the rest of the trip. Alrighty, so I'll I'll land this fun plane myself by telling my final fun story. As a reminder, please go to bit.ly forward slash UCFKLS. Be in the drawing for that $20 Amazon gift card. Go and fill out your assessment here as we're at the end of today's episode. But one of my favorite stories was... A former student employee, he was a marketing student, really back when we just had one marketing student, and he had an idea that he pitched to me, and it was kind of an unusual idea. And, and this is the same student who had a lot of wacky ideas, uh, a lot of the things I kind of batted down or I'd let him try it. And he once came to me and said, hey, during the championships of the Intramural Basketball League, uh, I want to get a dance team together like you would see at an NBA game or a UCF game and they'll perform at halftime. We'll do halftime entertainment. And I was like, sure, go ahead, organize it. And he, he wound up not getting anybody uh, to, to be on that dance team except for his sister. And his sister went out there and performed uh, 
uh, a dance by herself. Um, he once pitched, and I was actually part of his pitch for a blimp. Uh, we bought a blimp out of one of those SkyMall magazines, a helium blimp. It was remote control, and we plastered, hey, sign up for flag football on the side of it. And it worked. Uh, we would stand behind member services and fly it around the building and talk about getting attention. Everyone saw this blimp and was like, what's this thing flying around? And while you're looking at the blimp, you saw they were advertising. It's you know the same reason why Goodyear flies their blimp over professional sporting events. But our, our director at the time, who I mentioned earlier, Willie, was not a fan of it. Um, he said it was a fire hazard. He thought it was a safety issue. You don't want someone riding a bike or running on a treadmill and they look real quick because they see something flying by and, and fall off. So we, we scrapped that pretty quickly. Uh, but the one idea that uh, was the funniest story that he pitched to me came into my office and he said, I have an idea. Let's start a secret shopper program. And I said, no, this, I don't think that works. That's a little unethical. It's a little dishonest. Uh, it would seem like we're spying. He was like, no, we can, I can go climb the tower. I can go to a group exercise class and just give feedback on how the customer service uh, goes. And, you know, most of these employees don't know me because I work in, in marketing. And and I said, I, I really just don't think that's a good idea. And he pulled out his cell phone. He said, look, I'm going to show you exactly what this will be like. I'm going to call member services and see if they can work through a customer service issue for me. I said, go ahead. Let, let's see what's going on here. So he called up member services. And back then, um, this is about 15 years ago, they, they had a different technology. But it's similar. You, you'd had to scan your finger um, to register before you can come in. And then you can access the facility with uh, your finger scan. And so he called up member services and he had me on speakerphone and you know, he talked to this wonderful employee of ours at the time, I don't even know her name, and said, hey, uh, I'm interested in coming to use the RWC. I heard about this finger scan I have to do. Can you tell me how that works? And she explained to him, hey, you have to come in and, and we'll associate it with your fingerprint and your finger scan and you'll come in and you'll be able to come in the facility without your ID. And he said, great, can we do that now? And she was, you know, giving great customer service. And she said, yeah, you know, just come on in. He goes, well, you know, I'm kind of busy. Um, it's really hard for me to get there. Can we do it over the phone? And she thought for a second. She's like, well, you know, let me give good customer service. She's like, sir, it's, it's a technology that we actually need you to physically be here. You have to put your finger on this scanner and, and that's how you get in. He's like, yeah, I, I get that. But do you think you can make an exception? Like, I don't know, just this one time, is there a way around this rule you guys have? And I could tell she was getting a little flustered and I was ready to just shut this thing down, but let's see where this is going. And I'm also trying not to laugh. And he's like, she's like, sir, um, you know, you really need to physically be here. Hey, we're open between eight and five. And he was like, I, I'm so sorry. Like, I really just don't have time during my day and I really want to work out. I really want to come to the facility. And finally, she was like, well, you know, maybe you could speak to my supervisor. And he was like, oh, OK, I'll, I'll come in and I'll do it. And uh, he hung up the phone. I was dying laughing because I've never been able to make, you know, a, a phony phone call or um, something like that. I would have just started laughing right away. Um, and I was like, we're definitely not doing this secret shopper program. And I'm going out to member services right now um, to explain to the student out there what just took place and because I don't want her to start telling everyone, you won't believe the call I got. Um, so we walked out there and we told her and she thought it was funny. And, and I, I said to him, good try, good idea, probably not what we want to do. So that, that was one of the funnier stories that I remember. So again, hopefully you enjoyed some of the stories that uh, some current and 
former students um, and former staff members shared. I had a lot of submissions. Some of them were maybe not appropriate for this podcast, but hopefully you got a little kick out of some of those stories. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. (laughs)